0: Hi. I'm your host today, Kim Campbell. You're listening to Circus Voices, brought to you by Circus Talk, the international circus sector's inclusive and independent online platform. Take advantage of Circus Talk's 60% off COVID-19 discount now on yearly pro membership. Sign up on Circus Talk today. saw the company Cassis performing actually at the Chicago Contemporary Circus Festival back in 2015, their very first show, Knee Deep. And it was very exciting to see them perform. First of all, I had been emailing them for months because I was helping them set up their workshops that they were teaching to local artists. But second of all, it was Australian Circus that was coming to town. And we were also excited to see what was different about Australian Circus, and we were not disappointed. Um, They're from Brisbane. Uh, They're from all around Australia, but they're based in Brisbane. And there are some new members, um, but one of the founding core members, and the one we'll be speaking to the most, is Natano Fanana, and he is currently directing a new show called Amantanya. This show was such an exciting concept that it gave me the idea to interview him once a month as the show develops and to figure out how the process is going to delve into the dramaturgy to delve into the production and the creation and to talk to his whole team about the process of making a show um it'll be especially interesting because natano is very forthcoming and very frank about his experiences in the circus world and about his desire to make it racially equitable to artists and to and for artists from um, indigenous backgrounds to have opportunities to show their art through circus. And he fosters that. Circus to Natano and to Cassis is a very personal way to express yourself and also a political way to express yourself. Um, and I think they do a really good job of not making it too heavy-handed, but having these personal stories and this uh, cultural richness of their lives and their upbringings sort of show up in the in the productions themselves. And especially with Amitania, it's going to be very interesting. They do focus, um, in their previous shows, on LGBTQI experiences, on gender, on identity, and on race. And they have a very diverse cast of artists. It's going to be my editor's choice pick, of 2020 delving into these topics with them and I'm pretty excited about it let's let's listen in I wanted to ask you a little bit about if you want to introduce yourself and talk about mm, sure. about the beginning of Cassis, about your beginnings where you're from etc
1: sure um, let's go in order. Okay, so um, my name is Sel Manu Fiu, Natano Etimani Ativalu Um Just I guess it's helpful for people to know my actual birth name is Natano. Sel mm-hmm. Manu uh, and Fu are my title names, so they're chief names um, that I've been gifted uh, throughout my life. Um, I, I hail from the little island of Whangam- uh Sorry. The little village Fangamalo in the island of Sava'i in Samoa. That is where my people are from. Uh, I was born and raised in Aotearoa, otherwise known as New Zealand, and I came over to Australia, um, uh, where I was also raised and schooled, and then started my careers, and um, on um, Yagara and Tuarabul land. Uh, otherwise Brisbane oh. and oh Brisbane's name is Mianjin actually uh, yeah uh, I I, I look to be honest I, I wasn't really interested in the arts uh, other than it being something that I would only be affected by it if it was cultural so I was happy just to you know I learnt my songs as a child and dances as a child like Pacifica mm-hmm. um, Polynesian so Samoa Tahitian New Zealand Maori, Cook Islander, Hawaii. That's all the dances that I sort of learnt with my family. Other than that, anyone who sort of in the performance world was my younger brother Fez, who's also a performer in in our industry. And I was happy to be that person who sat on a seat and just watched it all. I did not care. Mm-hmm. All of, at least at least until I was twenty nine, thirty. I I effectively did a community circus class in Sydney while I was working my full-time job as a barista and working for a wholesale coffee company
2: oh.
1: and, and then at 30 I, I did that thing I ran away with the circus <laughs> classic <laughs> I, I yeah I, um, I moved back to Brisbane from Sydney about a year and a half after doing my first community class with no intentions of, or, or foresight that I would be where I am today I, I literally just was like, I just love this. Yeah. And I would happily d- do a part-time job and um, learn the craft of circus. And if it could pay the odd bill in circus, great. But otherwise, it was just making sure that circus was in my life. And that was 12 years ago. Hang on. How old am I now? Yeah, that was 12 years ago. Wow. <laughs>
2: wow. Um,
1: yeah, so at the age of 30, I, I against all the uh, opinions of, of, of many of my friends and family they were like okay one no psalm wants to do circus and two you're 30 everyone <laughs> starts when you're like 12 months and uh, and you're not flexible at all and you f- f- can't point your feet at all <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: hey, uh, live your dreams man live your dreams <laughs> So, so what yeah. was your
1: f- discipline that you started with? Um, I took to aerial silks or tissue quite quickly um, i It was a difficult time in in Sydney to do classes like, apart from that sort of the community classes that I was doing, which is a place called Aerialize, which is a fab group of people um, I wasn't able to do enough circus like uh, aerial tissue, so what I ended up doing was that year and a half i would do classes but then i bought my own tissue and rigged it pretty poorly but riggable, in trees in a local park called jubilee park and glebe where i just was relentless every mm. moment i could i would string it up and just climb and climb and climb and climb and that's saying something for me as a person because prior to circus i was that person that would start projects and never finish them i was not obsessed by anything yeah. I, I just wasn't that person. But the, I just talked to it. I, I just fell in love with wow. with first firstly tissue and then and then the other components of circus. I I I just I just was swept away with it. I love the idea of the physicality that and the, and the adrenaline rush mixed with the creativity was just mm. it just worked for me. It just clicked and then I fell in love.
0: That's mm. so nice. So how did you start Casas? You're a co-founder, right?
1: Yes. Um, so, oh gosh. Um, when was that? 2011, I think I, we started that. That's four years after I moved back. Three years after I moved back. See, it wasn't that long. So I started a company called also Briefs with Fez. Mm-hmm. And... And that was that was churning along quite nicely back then. But also, I was although I love cabaret and variety styles, um, I had seen this great movement in Brisbane contemporary circus that was relatively new to me at the time. Everything was new to me at the time. Actually, in, in those days, I was just I wanted to do, I wanted to do everything basically, <laughs> and um, and up until the inception of. Cassis, there was only a few outlets where culture was safely woven into um, the platform, so for example with Briefs and Polytoxic my other company, because it was sort of a collision of worlds, so Australiana and Polynesian culture mm-hmm. we, that was our safe place to make the work and it was very the, it's an annoying word but it was very exotic to other people but they wouldn't necessarily engage us to be in their companies yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here we are with briefs doing it now you know and then I was fascinated with Cassis uh fascinated with contemporary circus so my housemates at the time Jesse Scott and Lockie McCauley and a friend Emma Sargent we all were, were really close and we all loved each other's styles and we wanted to see what that collision looked like so whilst Jesse and Emma were working with Circa at the time. They were on the other side of the world. I was in Scotland with briefs, and Lockie was back home in Brisbane. We all decided to make a show together. We weren't even making casts. We were just making a show.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, that show ended up becoming knee Deep. And what was really a draw card for me was, yes, we wanted to make a contemporary circus show, but we just didn't, we didn't want to make one of those shows that, um, how do you say it? In contemporary world, both dance and and contemporary circus, sorry, in the dance world, um, uh, sorry, not in the dance world, in the contemporary uh, circus world, contemporary physical theatre and what have you, is there's this there's this go to or default where you have to look out as though you're you're so serious and looking out into the Alps that yeah. elusive Alps, it's not even real, yeah, you know, yeah. and for us we were like when we create and play together at us four friends it was always fun yeah we always laughed and we were just ourselves and so we wanted to make a show that just revealed that um also me being very um a stickler with culture i was like man i was i loved circus back then but i looked around i was going man this is very white and where's the culture and where's our brown people yeah. um and i certainly didn't want to adhere to that that style of um, what has been typically a sort of white contemporary circus because i couldn 't do it very well i mean i 'm flat footed Samoan guy very heavy and in the ground and i 'm not not very balletic at all <laughs> at all <laughs> in fact i 'm renowned about for it, and I have had reviewed reviews written about it <laughs> proudly um, and so Jesse, Lockie, and Emma all went, yeah, of course, let's bring the culture in You're on your terms and how you want to do it. Because that's what we love about each other as, as unique artists. And so that's what I did. Um, cool. That was Knee Deep, yeah. 2011. Um, and it's been that way since You know, we make shows that are always making sure that culture is interwoven into all our shows.
0: That's one thing I love about Australian Circus. You have such a history of having like social relevance in your circus you know from the very get-go it's not always about black and brown people, it's not always about women, it's not always about one topic but there's always sort of like a political undercurrent to it or a social Mm. undercurrent to it and that's something that a lot of contemporary circus is just getting the idea to do now but it has been kind of part of your heritage in Australia for a long time.
1: Yeah, it sure has, yeah. Mm. I think that's what um, I've been quite blessed with because I was brought into that culture. I mean, I lived that culture prior to circus, but to know that there was an art form like that that was okay with it and also forwarding, Mm -hmm. like really surging forward with it, yeah, it was was good.
0: That was part of the attraction for you?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I was a very quiet guy prior to circus, very shy. Um, I had a lot of internalized um, uh, angst and issues that I just couldn't know how to... Mm -hmm. uh, express verbally like I'm doing right now terribly <laughs> but <laughs> what I learned to do is is my voice was then done through physical theater circus uh, and that's how I you sound pretty, yeah.
0: pretty well spoken to me um, <laughs> so and are you still active with briefs I know Fez is still yeah yeah,
1: yeah so active in the sense that um, I mean I branched away to form Cassis and i was juggling both shows for a while both companies mm-hmm. but i um i physically couldn't do it my body was just hurting mm-hmm. and contemporary circus became more demanding and so i moved away from briefs and fez and mark um they surged along and i when i say i'm involved more i come back and forth where we work together to i support them they support us yeah. um and that's the other thing i really enjoy about At least Brisbane Contemporary Circus Scene or Circus Scene, we really look after each other. Mm -hmm. It's not a great deal of funding, much like yourselves over there, but what we do have is great resources like each other.
2: Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah.
0: That's good to hear. So, um, you have won a few awards, if you don't mind me saying, um, for your work, and the ones I know of are um, at the Fringe, you won the Best Circus Award for Driftwood, right? Do you remember what year that was?
1: Yeah, we, oh gosh, two, mm, I'm sorry, 2016?
0: Okay, and then um, two, this past year, I think in 2019, you won for the uh, Australian Circus Festival for DNA, you won uh, Contemporary Circus Director Award,
2: right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What did that mean <laughs> to you?
1: Oh, look, um, oh, that was quite special actually, because um, yeah, that's a festival that is uh largely driven by the classic um circus uh, community mm-hmm. of which i have a strong um, the connect- there's a strong connection but what's the word i i really i pay homage to classic uh, circus a lot without that we i wouldn't be in a place where i am now yeah. um, and so to have what i would with respect say old timers that acknowledge my, not only me as a director, but also our style of circus was really a, quite an honour. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's been quite a. Yeah. It's been quite a. An exciting journey with with the acknowledgements that I'm getting now as a director. I did not. I did not see this. I. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying before, I just wanted to have a voice. Yeah. uh as I as a person who struggles speaking about my thoughts and and my creativity like talking about it not so good mm-hmm. but putting it down into a show and creating it that way I'm okay yeah, yeah so it's it's been nice to be, be, be acknowledged for that
0: yeah <laughs> it's interesting that you that you feel as if you struggle with your voice because I, I've seen you call yourself a storyteller before but it seems like your method of telling the story is isn't necessarily through words it's through movement and symbol
2: mm.
1: yeah I, and I don't know where or how that came about I mean as a kid I was like I said I was real shy I struggled um, I struggled to use the words uh, though I would write a lot of poetry and I would draw lots of pictures and I would um, not necessarily dance and move like I do these days but I, it was anything but words and s- but it also makes sense, like historically with my people, with Samoans, we sing for every occasion, we dance for every occasion, for every ceremony and practice, we've got a, a song and a dance.
0: That's part of life, like.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And great. so I guess once I was felt like I I was competent with the metaphorical paintbrush, which is you know circus skill and the canvas being the stage, I I kind of got. I don't know, I found this newfound confidence, and um,
2: that's
1: cool. and it made sense. All I can say is it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a whole lot easier.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's good. It that makes sense. So um, now you have a new show that you're about to start. Have you started developing it yet? I can't remember if you started rehearsals. Yeah, yeah.
1: We've actually got three new shows in development, but the one we're talking about now is the Amatanga, which in my language is initiation <laughs> in Samoan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that... Like I said, I touched on it earlier, it, it's been a sort of a work in progress, or at least in my black book of ideas for the last tw- uh, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, in the very first brief show that I, I made with Fez and Mark, it my piece in that show showed a little video clipping, because I recorded myself getting my tatao, my traditional pe'a, which is a a, a, a passage to manhood back in the day. And it's a, it's a quarter, three quarters of your body's tattooed in the old method with like a, a chisel and and ham, like a rod, a hammer. Okay. So it's all tapped. Wow. And it took me uh, thirty six hours over eleven days. Um, same man that did my dad's tattoo did mine. Wow. Uh, so it's a very you know very uh, momentous occasion that I captured on camera. Um, and I wanted to share it with the world and I did that with briefs with my that video, short clip, and then I followed it with me, just wearing very little, my dance support and a little bit of a loincloth, to uh, doing an aerial tissue piece mm-hmm. to uh, to the log drums which is a very typical instrument we use in, in the Pacific, so um, having that in mind, when I left briefs, I was always quite a strong and influential piece in, my, in the back of my mind, and I, and it felt like the start and then fast forward 10 years i have been i've been thinking about it over these 10 years going oh, i just really want to make it I, I fatten that out whether it's a solo show was about my journey or or whether i find other artists
2: mm-hmm.
1: that are of culture that had ceremonial practices that we tap on t- touched on as well and then thankfully i have i found a few people that are that are like that and also um partners like theaters that have gone oh we like that idea Can we support you to make that so I'm here I am 10 years on like literally talking about Japanese culture with our, my beautiful colleague her name is Mayumoto, who discovering these amazing stories about hair and the significance of hair in her Japanese culture mm-hmm. And how to adorn, dress, and cut it in certain ways back in the day. And and also, a New Zealand boy, Cameron Wahanui McKinnon, who's learning his, he's sharing his uh, initiation practices from his Māori That's culture cool. and First Nations mob here in Australia, which is devastating but intriguing because mm-hmm. Johnny was raised on a mission where. Generation or so, two generations ago, when his great grandfather, grandfather was, people were put there. They were not to practice any culture at all. So, in terms of Johnny, who's um, an Anangu man, which is one of the nations here in in Australia, he he's struggling to find his uh, his stories in terms of ceremonial practice because um, he's raised on a mission, and as, as his grandfather and grand grandparents were. Um, and that was during a period where it was illegal to practice your culture, speak language and ceremonial practices. So he's, initially, he's essentially trying to discover and learn what his ancient practices were which yeah. is a horrific story but also really inspiring because there's these tricklings of information around that he's, he's, he's finding. Um, he's it's learning awesome. to speak his language again which is amazing. That
0: is amazing yeah yeah so his his is going to be a struggle his piece in in the show because he has to kind of piece Absol- everything together from a broken
1: absolutely i yeah. mean he's been he's he's absolutely passionate and and connected to his land and to his people it's just that there's certain information and of ancient practices that is lacking and gone or not gone it's just hard to find mm. um and that's just, that's indicative of this country and how it's, it's treatment of First Nations mob. It's got a lot to answer for. You know, yeah. I, sorry to digress, but I, I'm a I'm a brown boy from Samoa, born in New Zealand and landed here in Australia, and I'm treated with more respect and, and appreciation than our First Nations mob, which yeah. is hard. It's really hard. But here we are yeah. with our responsibility to share these stories. And I, I haven't mentioned um, Alaganza, who's who's actually my niece, um, formerly my nephew. Uh, she's a fafa finge and a, an amazing artist in her own right. That I've been had my little eye on her over the last few years with her, a troupe of amazing dancers. Yeah. And um, I'm interested in, in her story in terms of uh, amatanga, so initiation practices, because as a Fafa finger, that. That has been a complicated area because you're neither male nor female, but there are ceremonial initiation practices for both male, and female, but not necessarily for for for, for, for So oh. I wanted to explore that story.
0: And that's in the Samoan uh, culture. That's in Samoa, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, I please don't feel like you're digressing by going off into the topic of how um, First Nations people are treated, because I think that that's going to a large part of your theme um, in the show. Yeah. Uh, it's something that totally needs to be explored. I know Circus Oz has done a lot to um, help uh, First Nations people get some circus background over the years. How, have you been working with them in any capacity?
1: Yes, yeah, um, dotted throughout my career, but more significantly about three years ago I was brought on as a guest director with Circus Oz to work with their Black Flip program which um, the Blackfoot program is essentially a masterclass of sorts to engage First Nations mob in Australia to bring them in to to try their hand at circus if they um, as a means of like giving them this, this taster or, or you know a feeling for it and if they wanted to continue that then they would be given avenues to explore them as a circus artist or they would be given a position at, in circus also's main ensemble. Mm. But when I came on, I I insisted on, I insisted on making a show because I wanted. For many of us people of colour in Australia, we have numerous projects or masterclasses like this, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily places where you can apply it. You know, there are a few companies that are of, of like they have a cultural sort of at their core. Only few, and only only a few positions, like barely any. Mm. Um, so I was like why don't I I come on and engage Circus Oz with Blackflip program but we select people that want to come into Blackflip but that are aware that this could become a show and beyond that could be Mm. a touring show to create opportunity to create employment Mm -hmm. Um, Is that where Johnny came from? No actually Johnny is Johnny's with another, uh, Johnny, I, he came from NASDA, which is, um, uh, a, a, a dance, I can't remember what it actually stands for, National Australia Indigenous, I'm making that up now.
0: <laughs> okay, I believe Basically,
1: that. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> it's a dance school in in Central Coast in New South Wales where you can learn to dance, but he's a dancer formerly but he came to, um came to Cassis on the recommendation from an amazing man named Kim Walker, the director there. We would do a shout out going, I got injured and I needed a replacement. Oh. And I was like insistent going, nah, it has to be a person of culture that does my, my style, but doesn't have to be someone, but just person of culture. And couldn't find any, couldn't find any in Australia. Huh. We found um, Johnny, who's a dancer and he's one of those annoying people that can pick up things in five seconds. So he quickly became an acrobat.
2: (laughs) Wow, (laughs) Um, beautiful
1: mover. Um, But no, Johnny's not from uh, from that Blackfoot program, which became that show became Chasing Smoke, which was sadly but excitedly the show's first all Indigenous contemporary circus show, and that show still continues today. I I uh, I negotiated with Circus Oz for Cassis to take that on, so we produce that show now. Um, and it's basically uh, five stories from five Indigenous people from different lands, and they talk about this, their identity as modern-day Indigenous people. Um, just talk storytelling through circus. Yeah, it's been quite a powerful That's, story. That is movement. a
0: powerful story. Did you? So you were involved with directing and developing that show originally? Yep. Okay, and then. Since you you produce it now, and and it's and it's otherwise handled by Circus Oz. Uh,
1: I no, we've got it now, so we Cassis Cassis. um, Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And it's amazing. It's really exciting story. Not only because um, it's a first in many ways, but it also um, there's definitely in Australia with First Nations mob in terms of um, opportunities. There's not many. Mm-hmm. And I have an obligation as a person of culture that when I come onto someone's land, they've come first. So I, I, I have been blessed to have um, attained a whole lot of information for me to survive and be resilient in the independent world. So, mm-hmm. part of the premise of Chasing Smoke Now is now that that, that show is part of Cassis's family, mm-hmm. my obligation is to m- mentor them. So, all the youngsters, all those five performers, are upcoming producers, riggers costume yeah. makers um directors yes.
0: pay it forward yes yep so i have a, a question about that show in particular and then I maybe two questions one is um so is it a little bit like seven fingers like the story is very personal to the person who is performing it and yep yeah okay so if that person decides to move on or retire then you you would want to find somebody also from the First Nations background who would sort of do their act to tell their story, but that could fit into that model. Yeah,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. So there's, they, um, there is there is no ownership of any of the stories both from Cassis or anyone else. All the stories are owned by the artists. Mm-hmm. And so should, and this is the case, one of the performers is no longer with us, Jack. He moved on. Mm-hmm. And we got Johnny, actually. And he came on to tell his story. And rather than, he simply cannot lift Jack's story and, and replicate it. That's not appropriate, no. nor no. real. Um, so Johnny came in and essentially just told his his story and, and, and applied his strengths as a, as a you know, in terms of the skills and that. He applied his to his story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so, a premise that we have to stick to, just culturally inappropriate to replicate.
0: Something about that that's so authentic that I think an audience really feels that you know when when you own the story that and you're expressing it with your body it's not it's not something you've been directed to do it's something you, your inner self is directing you to do and that that makes a totally different feeling I feel yeah
1: like. yeah. yeah absolutely yeah and I think I think you're, you touched on it before I really like Australia really responds to that. I mean, some parts, some parts, people like, we can't speak on behalf of everyone, but some people just don't want it. People like pure escapism with the wow factor, and I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully, I really do appreciate that many of the audiences in Australia so far have gone, we really like the physical strengths and the, and the flexibility and that high-end sort of skill, but layering in a personal moment, they, mm-hmm. they respond to it and, and love it. Yeah, so really lucky in that sense, I I feel.
0: And the other other thing, I feel like the whole world actually appreciates Australian circus for that. Um, And then besides that social relevance, also this layer of, and you've already hit on it when you described how you and your co-founders decided to start Cassis, like, let's do the thing, contemporary thing, but let's not make it so serious. I mean, yes, your topic is serious, but you also have moments of humor and the ability yeah. to like make fun of each other and yourselves, and it, and it uh-huh. becomes sort of like a lighter. It's that the point is still heavy and gets across, but there's this moment of connection with the audience through humor that you know that you probably have seen a million times in cabaret. I mean, even briefs does it. There, there's yeah. social relevance, but then there's this hilarious humor that just kind of like makes you so happy to be there. It's a great feeling. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, it's, a, it's also a, uh, I don't know if this is the right word for it but it's also a tool
2: mm-hmm.
0: or
1: oh uh, so long as i've known when 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 life gets tough when we get hit you know the odd racist slur thrown at us and that we've been ta- taught taught basically we laugh it off mm. especially us islanders man we we just turn it around and that's the way to survive you just laugh about things you make a joke of it mm. and i guess you get the power back it's a survival by doing that thing. yeah yeah thing and so it was quite uh, normal for us, especially making briefs. It was a laugh; like it's good therapy when you when you talk about heavy heavy topics, mm-hmm. th- and uh, with humor, but with respect. You know, you you do re- appreciate and respect the, the, the gravity of it, but also you got to laugh because if you don't, man, yeah. the world get heavy.
0: <laughs> well, it's so much yeah. more uh, relatable than a lecture to have this approach where you can laugh but also mm. get the message you know i think people are more willing to listen i think you know yeah
1: i agree yeah. i agree and i i'm one of those audience members i don't like to be lectured to yeah. or, or pointed at or hit on the head <laughs> I, I i appreciate i mean it's a sort of a th- a, a model that i i continued from briefs is like because we it's like our home our family so when every time we put on briefs we just the audience members weren't paying customers they they came in. They were welcomed in, and we welcomed into the space, and we made them feel welcome. And then we would like, yeah, here's here's some information that you might want to know, <laughs> yeah. um, but also have fun at the same time. <laughs> and that continues with uh, Cassis. We we make our shows with warmth and humanity and and fun, and then there's there's moments of seriousness. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that's what I like making shows that have this roller coaster sort of vibe, you know? Yeah.
0: If it's I plateaus.
1: You fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> Nobody wants that. That's so cool. I'm so excited to talk to you. And I guess I should have said earlier, maybe I'll say it in the introduction, that this is going to be a series discussion where we talk to each other a total of six times during the development of Amatanya. Um, yeah. And so this talk was sort of like the background and the concept uh, discussion. And next time we speak, we're going to just delve into the, the nitty gritty of uh, of the of the creation and how it's going and what what it's like for you as a director to work and maybe even a little bit of your technique and, and a little bit of feedback from the artists on, on how it's going and I think it's going to be really interesting for people to get that inside view of a show as it's being born you know
1: yeah great great well yeah um it's a it certainly is an uh exciting um and appealing. Um, a tongue is an appealing commerce, uh, topic for me. Um, there's so many new things daily, you know, like basically learning new things about each other's cultures. Yeah. That's a daily thing. Um, and applying that to contemporary circus, an exciting <laughs> topic, because I'm like, oh, how do I do that? <laughs> whilst whilst uh, maintaining protocol and etiquette to and respect for that particular culture. Right. That
0: sounds <laughs> yeah.
2: challenging.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it mean, is
0: circus is like such a research you know circus artists are such researchers right because mm. your movement study is such an aspect of research and then this show on top of it is very much research based because the individuals have to kind of delve deeper into their history and stuff so that'll be like a double whammy
1: it is it is a it's a triple whammy for us Cas mob anyway because so prior to this show we made DNA, so one of the, that's one of seven shows or six shows we've made.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that was the longest sort of research that we gave to that show, to DNA. But in saying that, that was significantly less than most companies that we're aware of in Australia. For example, we make on average our shows over three weeks and that's it as an independent company we don't get any government funding so that's wow. all we can afford wow. and a lot of it is gifted from the artists to um and we put in our own savings to make these shows yeah. that's, that's it
2: that's, oh that's terrible
1: whereas this show because we've got partners like la boîte which is a it's a it's a great it's so exciting that a traditional theater company has opened up its doors to a contemporary circus brown show mm-hmm. that never happens yeah, yeah. um so we're artists in residence here. And this is the only way we can do this. And this is over a year. So we've got a year to make this show. That's that is unheard of in our, oh, in our little company. It's
0: going to be mind-blowing.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope. It's blowing my mind right now.
0: It's <laughs> great. So I guess I, it's about time. We should probably wrap it up. But I just wanted to ask you one, mm. uh, one question to sort of end on. And then maybe when we start next time, we can... Revisit that question, and how does um, Amatanya connect to Cassis's previous work, and how do you imagine it will differ?
1: Um, it, it Amatanya connects to our previous works with, oh man, it's so similar yet so different. <laughs> um, we we get pulled into the contemporary circus world quite easily because, um, okay, so we're very skill based and. And our storytelling, our narrative, if it exists in these shows, are subtle. But it's always there. We always have touch of humanity in ourselves in our each show. Um, uh, we, I'm really, uh, sorry, I, I'm not getting the words out right, but what I'm trying to say is uh, I am so lucky to have Jesse and Lockie, uh, my fellow directors. We all, all made a commitment to not stick to what the demands of our audience want. For example, we could go out there and make all these sort of amazing acrobatic shows that that's just skill-based, but we're not interested in that. What we're interested in is telling our piece of ourselves. You know, You and I is a story about Jesse and Lockie and their and two men.
2: That's
1: beautiful. And their and love for each other. Yeah. And... and and yes, there's acrobatics in there, but there's also sincerity and realness there. Um, same with DNA. We talked, tackled a bunch of you know, political and, and social issues in that show. So I guess what Amatanga is, is talking about the realness. And this realness is real to us. Mm-hmm. And when I say us, I mean us people of culture. But there's a, what I'm trying to do over time and through my work is that we're not too different to everyone else. Like we actually live amongst you, but yeah. y'all don't know about us. You know, yeah. you know, we practice our culture, our old ways daily,
2: yeah. and
1: it's on your doorstep. And uh, and that's what I want to I want to bring people in to learn more about us, people of culture, and and Let's also still share that amazing skill and, and strength and fragility that we're renowned for.
0: Now, a message from Circus Talk. During this time of pandemic, we've unleashed a new feature in our events section that will help artists and companies to get paid for their work. With a basic free membership, you can list your live stream, your on demand, or live shows and events, and now you can sell tickets and collect pay what you can donations via Circus Talk as well. You can even list your classes and workshops and collect the class fees directly through Circus Talk's PayPal ticketing. Circus Talk helps promote these shows and classes on social media, too, for those who use this feature. This is a great tool to expand your audience beyond your own personal network and social media followers. So check it out. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. It was part of Circus Voices, brought to you by Circus Talk. Original podcast music is by Book Kennison. Please stay tuned for future series on this podcast and subscribe to Circus Voices wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.